So today it's going to sound like I'm actually pinching Andrew's preach. In fact, I'm not. If the, the leaders, I started to speak along these lines on Wednesday, on Tuesday. And uh, I really believe that this is God's word to the church for now. I really do believe that. What I want to do this morning is have a look at what the church looked, lived, and loved like. Looked, lived, and loved like. And so we're going to start in Acts 2 and verse 1. Because I want to say right from the beginning that none of this stuff that we're going to talk about that happened could have happened without the presence of the Holy Spirit. As soon as you start to slip into the place where you think you can do it, you're going to have a train smash. You are. There have been times in our life, we've, we've, uh, we've been in full-time ministry now for 27 years. I know it doesn't look like it, but yeah. But uh, let's start in Acts 2 and verse 1. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Do you know that they, if you, if you go and look at the commentaries and the history books, they'd been together for 10 days waiting. 10 days. I don't know if they had food. I don't know if they had water. I don't know if they had anything, but they met together there for 10 days because Jesus had told them, you wait. How many of us could wait that long with not sure what's going to come? I don't know if I could, especially the food part. Suddenly, verse 2, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent, mighty, violent or mighty wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Say, as Donnie says, all of them. them. There we go. Hey, I lead a wonderful congregation. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. So if you've given your life to the Lord, you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. From the day that you get saved, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Then there comes a baptism of the Holy Spirit later on. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Speak in other tongues. Have you heard someone speak in tongues? I've been in ministry 27 years, and I want to tell you that I haven't heard it often. And when I do hear it, I'm like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen now. But I think that's what the Holy Spirit wants. We can't control those tongues. The only control we have as elders is that we want to know the person that is bringing the tongue. Otherwise, we're not sure what is coming into the life of the congregation. So let's look at those words. Suddenly, sometimes God moves quickly. Sometimes He takes a long time. But this morning we look at suddenly. I remember I was not in full-time ministry yet, so you know how long that was ago. And uh, 
I came up for prayer, and I was a very big skeptic of people falling down and all the Holy Spirit signs. I was like, I want nothing to do this. So if guys came to pray for me, I didn't stand like this. I stood like this. <laughs> if you want me to go down, you're going to have to push me down. I want to tell you, as the guy came towards me, he didn't even touch me. The Lord hit me through the first four or five rows of chairs. And I just laid there. I was stunned. You see, God is bigger in, than us and more mighty than us. Sound, it was real. We could hear the Holy Spirit. You could hear him as, as he came into that room. It says he was like a, a violent, mighty wind. In Cape Town, you guys know what I'm talking about. That wind came and it blew through that place. I thought we had wind in Gauteng when I lived there. I came to Cape Town and then I saw wind. Have you seen those big trucks? get just blown over by wind. No one pushing them. They just fall over. I remember one of the days we were actually going to, to start, we were going to start the congregation in Somerset. We had that job, to go and start that congregation. And that was the day of the August where the guys were holding their bicycles like this, and they were out straight like that. I pray, Lord, come like that. Come like that, Lord. Been in meetings where you just watch the Holy Spirit moving across the congregation, people just falling down all over the place. I was in a meeting like that. Patty and I were laughing because it sounded like it happened to someone else recently. But... We went to a meeting where a guy was preaching and I got smacked under the chair and Patty got smacked over the wheelchair and uh, all sorts of stuff. And so we're walking out afterwards and we like... <laughs> and I'd locked the keys in the car. So like, there's no way so I'm going to get these keys out of this car. So someone comes along, can I help you? You're, you're going to have to take me home and bring me back. And we stayed about 50 kilometers from that meeting. So we went home, and then I had to break into the home first of all, because I didn't have those keys either. Then I got, by the time I got back to the car, I was like, um, I'm not too bad. Patty was like, oh, I don't. open the door, push her in. Close the door. It, it wasn't easy to close the door. Have you ever tried to carry someone that's like sliding through your hands? It's like, it's difficult. But that was from sound. It, this was from heaven. We can't make this up. We can't. I want to say to you, if you come up for prayer ever and someone tries to push you over, don't let them. Do not let them. When I pray for people, I generally ask them to put their hands out and I'll put my hands under theirs. And if God decides to move, God moves. 
Because if that person does not have expectation for God to move, it won't happen. Because he's not a God of fear. He doesn't want to put fear into you. So yeah, we see this wind that's coming. And uh, when this happened, they were in a place of waiting and prayer. You know, when Jewish people pray, they never ever sit down. Ten days. Praying, not sitting down. Ten days. Have you tried that? I go home after this meeting and I fall on the bed and I tell Patty, take the phone, I'm not interested in anything else. The only thing I'm interested in is if there is a Grand Prix, I will lift my head off my pillow to watch. But ten days of walking up and down and praying. Maybe if we stood up and walked around, we wouldn't fall asleep all the time. How often do you go into your room and you're going to pray and you find yourself like, hmm. Especially when you read the inspired Word of God. Mm. I remember my, my brother-in-law, I brought him on full-time in Benoni when we were there. And so he said to me, what do I do? I said, I don't tell you what to do. You allow the Spirit of God to tell you what to do. And so I, he had his own office, and one morning I walked in there, and I opened the door, and I walked through, and he jumped up like this, and, and the, he had a cup imprinted on his head. He had been sleeping on his cup like this. So they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Because we're going to read later on, they were devoted let me tell you, guys, if you are not filled with the Holy Spirit, this morning if you're sitting here and you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, you will not be able to devote yourself. It's impossible. You need the Holy Spirit to be dwelling inside of you that you're able to do what you're unable to do in the flesh. Wind, Holy Spirit. But with the wind, you can look outside there and if you can see the trees, oh, don't worry, I'll look for you. Uh, you can see the trees moving, but you can't see what's moving them. That's what the Holy Spirit's like. He moves, but you can't see Him. But you can see the effects of Him moving. Fire. Fire symbolizes God's purification purification. Do you know the only things that they actually, they mark with, uh, what do you call those things, uh, in, in gold and silver, hallmark type things? It's that stamp. The only things that have that are gold and silver because they are purified until they are pure. They are fired and the, the, the stuff that is uh, skimmed off the top until they get to a place where there's nothing left of that and they can actually see themselves. Acts 2 and verse 12, it says, Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. 
fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully what I have to say. They were amazed and perplexed. There are going to be some times when you come to church and you come for prayer. Or maybe you're watching and the Holy Spirit's going to move. People are going to fall down. People are going to shake. People are going to uh, do strange things. You need to trust the elders that we'll stop anything that we don't believe is God. But there will be these things that will happen. And you might sit back there and you're amazed and you're perplexed. You need to ask God, Lord, what are you doing? So Peter, Peter stands up and he speaks and he, he be prepared to stand and speak. When I release a tongue in the church and the other elders, I will always explain to the congregation, this is what's going to happen now. It's not going to catch you by surprise. It's going to happen now. Be ready for it. Maybe you're going to be amazed and perplexed, but allow the Spirit of God to move in your life. So in verse 38, they ask, what must we do? Peter replies, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children. All parents sitting here this morning, the promise is for you and your children. I've got three sons. Two of them serve the Lord. One of them was a worship leader when I was in Durbanville, and he no longer serves the Lord. We are trusting God that he'll come back. But for you and your children, we need to be cut to the heart. Guys, if you're not cut to the heart, you're never going to change in the way that you need to change. Because you're just going to move on. But we, we need genuine pain. It needs, it needs to, that word means to strike, to prick violently, to sting sharply. You need to be cut to the heart. We've got a cardiologist sitting here. He knows all about hearts. He also knows that I had a triple bypass. He was part of it. He saved my life. But God wants to cut you to the heart. Every time they, they I, I used to love watching medical programs on TV. But now every time when they start with the chest and the heart, I'm like, oh, can't watch that. I've got to turn. I'm so glad that I'm alive still. And my wife's even more glad. Guys, we need a change of heart. We need to be cut to the heart. If when you hear God's word and it doesn't change your life, you have not been cut to the heart. Repentance, change of mind and direction. If you're heading in this direction and, and for instance, you're heading in this direction in your marriage, away from God backsliding 
and you think, oh, I'm not backsliding. Let me tell you, when God comes, He will cut you to the heart. We need to turn to God. If we're walking away from God, we need to turn to God. We need to be baptized. If you haven't been baptized, you need to be baptized. Once you've given your life to the Lord. There needs to, be, to be baptized, there needs to be proof of repentance and commitment and obedience. I've seen so many people get baptized and they totally backslide because they, they haven't been discipled. They haven't, taught, they haven't been taught what it is to serve God. To be devoted, to be a devoted people, we need to have radical salvations. So many times people come up to the front, they get prayed for, they go home, they don't come back to church. Let me tell you, when God touched me, when I got saved, I didn't have to be followed up. They had to say to me, we're not meeting tonight. We're not getting together because I just wanted to be there all the time. I wanted God to change my life. I'd seen how He changed my life as I got saved. I was a, a, a surfer. Uh, I, I was a sportsman of many things, but my mouth was foul. And with sports and all that stuff comes the thing of drinking together. And so I'd come home from uh, sport and I'd be half drunk. There was a Natal in the Cape that had probably caught me. But it was a ridiculous lifestyle. And I won't even go back to what I was like before that. We haven't got enough time. And so we need a radical salvation. If you've given your life to the Lord, you need to say, Lord, I need you to cut me to the heart. I want to repent of the things that I'm involved in and I'm doing. I want to be someone that counts for you. Radical converts are those that are touched and transformed by the power and the Word of God. If you're sitting here this morning, please don't doze off. Allow God to come and to touch your heart. Radical believers measure everything against the Word of God. There can be no room for compromise. There's lots of room for the Spirit and what He wants to do, but I want to tell you the, 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 the boundaries of what we do are the Word of God. Sometimes we try and make those boundaries too small. Like uh, stuff starts to happen and we say, oh, but God's a God of order, not disorder. Let me tell you, God's order is not the same as ours. Not the same as ours. I remember when I first started going into ministry, I went to a little church in a place called Ingadwana. And when I arrived there, they had like wooden pews. It didn't look hopeful. 
But I finished preaching, and I asked the people to stand up. And people started falling over the wooden stuff. It was actually quite dangerous eventually. But the Spirit of God just came. And you know what? They were expectant. They wanted God to move. I can preach and shout and scream at you, but if you don't have an expectation and you are not full of faith, nothing will happen. What does devoted look like? It's to adhere with strength, like super glue. Have you ever done super glue and you touch it with your finger and the next, bloop, stuck? Guys, when people were so devoted that in the Roman times, so what they would do is they'd take Christians and tie them up onto crosses, douse them with bitumen and light them. They were street lights. They refused to back down. They refused to back down. Fellowship is my... You know what? When we connect with Jesus, we have to connect with one another. The Word of God says that if we don't connect with one another, we can't connect with God. Isn't that hectic? So if I'm, I'm not your friend, or not your friend, if, if I don't know you and love you, I, I remember Patty and I, we used to have so many arguments when we first got married. I used to say to her, I love you, but I don't like you. That was a long time ago. Maybe 40 years ago. This year we married for 40 years. Our first relational con uh, connection is with Jesus, and then it has to be with others. And that's what I believe Vaughn was talking about this morning. We need to love, we need to care for one another. Do you know that... Uh, the church is not a social club. We exist for the benefit of the non-members. John Wesley said, you all know who John Wesley was. The guy who started the Methodist church. John Wesley said, there is nothing more unchristian than a solitary Christian. It's not there. It doesn't happen. It's not who you are. There should be a, a, a desire for that. Fellowship means to, to share with one another. Two fellows in a ship going in the same direction. All can be saved. You don't have to clean up your act first. You don't have to make everything right before you can be saved. No, God will come and rescue you right from where you were. I was busy doing my defense force training and God met with me, and I got saved. I want to tell you, if you've done Defense Force training, it's not an easy place to get saved. Verse 44, it says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. When last did you have a meal with somebody here? When last did you have a bride together? 
We need to get into one another's houses. So they themselves, not alone, we share Jesus. We share the love of God. We share our love for one another. 1 John 4 and 7. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. You cannot love one another if God hasn't put His love in your heart. You will find it very difficult if you're not spending time with God, receiving love and able to pass that on. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. So if you're not loving, you're not born of God and you don't know Him. Can you imagine on that day when you arrive and, and you say, Lord, we've done all these works for you. And he says, get away from me. I don't know you. I don't know you. Because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that, he, that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Love is not a thought. Love is not a prayer. Love is action. Love is making a difference. Love is going to someone that you can see is struggling and saying, listen, can I help you? You say to them, can I pray for you? For me, the best way to love is to pray for people. You guys that are on our databases, I pray through the, I don't pray every day, but I pray through that list. Because I love you guys. I want God's best for you guys. You'll say, oh, yeah, but I pray. It's not me that answers the prayers. It's God. We share the same desire to worship. We share the same troubles. Revelation 2 and verses 3 to 5, it says, I know you are enduring patiently. How many of you are enduring patiently this morning? There are things that you're waiting for. You're waiting for, for God to come, for Him to break through. And bearing up for my name's sake. And if you have not grown weary, a lot of us grow weary. But I have this against you. Yo, I tell you, when God says He has something against you, you've got a problem. You've got a problem. That you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. I wonder if we could just bow our heads this morning. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you've actually never responded to the gospel. You've never ever said, Lord, I want to... I want to serve you. Or maybe there was a time when you said, I want to serve you, but you are not serving Him. 
You've allowed your life to, to uh, be distracted. You've allowed your life to be led off in the wrong direction. And you are sitting here this morning and you know who I'm talking about. And you are here because I believe that God gave me this to ask. So if you're here this morning and you've never made a decision, this is for those that have never made a decision, to say, I've been cut to the heart. I've been stung. I want to respond this morning. Because I responded to a gospel once before that didn't, didn't cut me to the heart. Many of us have had that. I've, I've met lots of people that have, they haven't been cut to the heart. And so what you find is they end up turning away and walking in another direction. So I'm asking you this morning, do you have a love for Jesus? Have you been cut to the heart? I wonder if you could stick your hand up if you've fallen there and then take it down. Is there anyone like that? Maybe your, your love has grown cold. Your love has grown cold. You loved the Lord and you, you served Him with everything inside of you, but something got in the way and you were, you were uh, deviated from what God had for you. I see that hand over there. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Is there anyone else? I want to move on. I've got a few things here. Are you here this morning and you've lost your love for others? Not Jesus. I want to tell you, you can't sit in the room at home or sit in your house at home and, ha and expect to be serving Jesus. You need a love for others. We need to care for others. We need to help others. But we need to help. Is there anyone that's, that you, you know that's you? I, I, I love Jesus, but I'm not doing what I should be doing. I'm not serving Him with everything inside of Him. If you fall into that category, I wonder if you could stick your hand up. Anyone like that? So you're all on fire for the Lord. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a list and you guys can make me food for the next month. Are you there, guys? Are you, are you on your front foot? Are you looking for people that need a touch from God? I go through times when I, I just don't want to see people. Like that thing that I've told once before, you know, uh, in the morning, my Patty's saying, wake up, wake up. And I say, no, I don't want to wake up. Wake up, wake up. I don't want to wake up. You better wake up. You're the pastor. <laughs> You've lost your love for others. Do you feel like that this morning? 
I'm going to give you all an opportunity. Tian's going to lead us in worship. And I want you to come forward and, and to ask for prayer. The last thing is baptism. Have you been baptized by the Holy Spirit? Have you been baptized in water? It's a step of obedience. It's not something we do because we think we should do. No, the Bible says we do it, we do it. You're actually living outside the Word of God if you haven't been baptized. You're actually living outside of the Word of God if you're not loving one another. You're actually living outside of the Word if you don't, you're not loving God. I wonder if we could all stand together. We're going to worship. And as we worship, I've found in my life that God comes when I'm worshiping, when He's my focus and not myself, and He begins to adjust and change my life. So Lord, come this morning as we worship. Come, Lord, and speak to your people. Come, Lord, and touch your people. Change them, Lord. Change us this morning, Lord. Change us this morning, Lord. Cut us to the heart, Lord. Cut us, Lord, in the name of Jesus.